0: The Nazarene had come to live the life of every man And he felt the fascination of the stars And as he wandered through this weary world He wandered and he wept For there were so few who listened to his call He came, He saw, He surrendered all, so that we might be born again, and the fact of His humanity was there for all. The Nazarene could hunger, and the Nazarene could cry, and he could laugh with all the fullness of his heart. And those who hardly knew him, and those who knew him well, could feel the contradiction from the start. He came, he saw, he surrendered. So that we might be born again and the fact of his humanity was there for all to see For he was unlike any other man and yet so much like me he came he saw he surrendered all so that we might be born for all the city
1: begin this time of prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. We give you thanks, Jesus, for gathering us here today, tonight, to spend this time with you. Thank you for the gift of your presence. Thank you because to see you is to see God the Father. And I'd like to ask you, Jesus, to give us the faith that we need to listen to you and allow your words to shape our mindset, to shape our ways, our thoughts, how we love, how we relate to others. May we place you as the center of our lives. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, it's now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, Hi, hello everybody. Welcome to our School of the Word. Welcome tonight to our third session of this series, Meet the Friend. As we go through this series, let us allow ourselves to be attracted. To be attracted to Jesus, who is the friend. Jesus, through his words, through his actions, reveals who God is. And the ways of God. Remember Jesus himself said, "No, to see me is to see the Father, right? In the Gospel of John. So let's, let us bear this in mind. When we meet and encounter Jesus, we are meeting God. In Jesus, in his life on earth, we see what is important for God. And hopefully, we become attracted to his ways and values that are so different from the world. Let us be moved to see how Jesus, the incarnated God, the Word made flesh, lived among us, lived among his people, doing what was good, what was loving, by healing lives, by seeking the true dignity of men and women. And so with this in mind, let us enter fully into tonight's session. Meet the friend Jesus, who looks at the best for the person. This is the title for tonight. Meet the friend Jesus, who looks at what is best for the person. In the four Gospels, we see that Jesus has a special place in his heart for those who suffer, the poor, the ones who are excluded in society. For Jesus, every person is precious because every person is made in the image and likeness of God and every human person is loved by God. So when Jesus looks at someone, he sees beyond the person's religion, nationality, economic status, orientation. Instead, he sees each person has a child of God who deserved his love, his compassion and his concern. And so the person takes a central place, his basic needs are important. This was Jesus' conviction that led him to have conflicts with the religious leaders of his time because the leaders, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the laws, they were more concerned with following the protocol and the rules to the extent that they forget to regard the person and his her needs. Tonight, the first reading that we'll be looking into is the Gospel of Luke in chapter 6. Jesus went to the synagogue on a Sabbath day and he saw a man whose right hand was withered or shivered. This man had a deformed, weak, useless right hand. And most likely, you know, the right hand is the, the power, you know, it's where our strength comes from. You know? Well, usually it's a stronger hand. You know? Most likely, his life was impacted by this deformity. Jesus at that moment was attracted to this man in his need. The gospel passage, later when we read, you know, we also see the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were also attracted to Jesus but for the wrong reason. In the passage, it states that they were watching, you know, the Pharisees and teachers of law, you know, they were watching Jesus closely, not because they admired him, but they were on the lookout to catch him for making a mistake. This is so human, isn't it? More than watching for the good in others, we sometimes often find ourselves watching for others to make mistakes so that we can tell them how wrong they are. These religious leaders, they were hoping that Jesus would heal the man on the Sabbath because then he would be breaking the law. Now, just a note eh, about the Sabbath law. The Sabbath law is part of the Ten Commandments where it says to keep the Lord's day holy, sacred, by pausing from work and to spend the rest, the day to rest and to enjoy God's presence and his goodness as well. And also it's an opportunity, the Sabbath is an opportunity to love and to serve others. So this Sabbath law, that it comes from God and is for the good of his people. However, over the centuries, the Pharisees understood the Sabbath law in a very narrow way and developed rules that state what the people could do and what the people could not do. For example, no, no writing. Imagine, no writing on Sabbath day. No tearing. No shopping. Oh my goodness! Those slopper colleagues among us, no. Imagine cannot go Vivo City, cannot go Next Mall, no. Cannot at all. No shopping on, on the Sabbath, no. no. cooking, no baking, wah. You know, and no carrying anything for more than six feet in public area. They're so strict, no. No moving anything with your hand, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Many many rules, no regulation. So with these many rules they placed a very heavy burden on the rest of the Jewish people. The Pharisees focused on the rules and regulations that they missed the point of their religion, which was to love God and love their neighbors. In this passage, Jesus did not break the Sabbath law on purpose by healing the man. Instead, he brought the Sabbath law back to its original true and authentic meaning. The Sabbath law was meant for the good of the people. So for Jesus at that synagogue on that Sabbath day, that man with the deformed hand was more important than the rules and regulations. Jesus looked at him and valued him for who he was, the child of God loved by God. And this is how Jesus looks at each one of us, child of God, his friends, his beloveds. You know, sometimes we try to hide our withered hands. Maybe for us, what we have is withered hearts that is perhaps incapable to love more, to forgive more, perhaps a hardened heart that tends to doubt, a heart that tends to judge others, we think that we have to be perfect to be deserving of Jesus' attention and love. But he, he loves us. Jesus loves us whether we are good or bad, whether we are saints or sinners, whether we are perfect or imperfect. His love is unconditional and not based on our merits not based on how perfect and good we are or how imperfect we are. He loves us and we are important for Jesus. Just like the man with the withered hand was important for him. You know, this man, if you look at the passage, if if we remember all the other stories of the healing stories, the people, being blind or lame, they went up to Jesus and asked him, Lord, heal me, you no, know? Lord, help me. But this man didn't, this man just stood there in the temple. You no, know? he was just there. This man was simply there. He did not approach Jesus to heal him. Yet Jesus took the initiative to do so. And in the passage, you no, know, Jesus told the man, get up and stand in front of everyone. And so the man got up, he stood among the people. Then Jesus said to them, referring also to the Pharisees, no? I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Jesus came to do good. Jesus came to save life. He came to empower and build people up, not to belittle or diminish them. He came to be at the service of the well being of God's people. And in the passage, it says, you No, know, Jesus looked around at them all, and then he said to that man, Stretch out your hand. The man stretched out his hand, and his deformed hand was completely restored. It's so beautiful, isn't it? Jesus did not tell the man to come back the next day. Anyway, it's a Sabbath, to come back the next day. But no, at that very moment, he took immediate action to do good, to save life, to help, to heal. The action of Jesus reveals who God is. God is a God of life. God is a God of love, not of the law. God is always on the side of those who suffer and he desires that all will have life and have it to the full. And as we read this passage of Jesus healing the man with the withered hand, Jesus reveals to us today what is important for God. Many of us say, you know, oh, I want to do God's will. You know, I want to pray you know, in this retreat to find out what is God's will for me. You know? If we want to live a life doing God's will, if we are really serious about doing and seeking God's will and to please God alone, then we are called always to place the human person and his or her needs at the centre. More than human laws and regulations. The question is, do we? In our relationships with people at home, in the workplace, in the parish, in our community, in our faith community, do we place the human person at the centre? Or do we tend to follow regulations and protocols at the expense of the person, for the good of the person? We are called to live a life of doing good, not evil, saving life, not destroying it. I remember someone sharing her experience of being scolded by her ministry leader in the parish because this lady did not wear the correct t-shirt for a parish function. And this leader put her down without even asking her for her reason. And so, of course, this poor lady you know, felt hurt and upset. And it made me to think you no sometimes we place importance on how others hold their hands during prayer how they bow how they kneel or whether they abstain or fast during this day or that day or if someone in the office or at home you know, is following the right protocol you no know, from number 1 number 2 number 3 you no know, we focus on all these things so much that we forget to love them we forget to love and respect the person Now, I would like to clarify, however, this does not mean that we do not follow any rules or we do not allow laws to guide us. I'm not saying that, okay? Don't quote me. (laughs) It's not that I'm saying, no, wow, you know, hoo hoo, you know, we can be rebels, no, we we can do what we like, no, from today onwards, no. No, rules are important, no, rules are good we in the community, no, we are a religious community no, and we have a lot of rules to follow. No? See, the, the moment we wake up to the moment we sleep, no, we have many rules in our community house. No? So rules are good. Rules are important. Yeah? They are good and important as long as they are properly set. No? It's always for the good of the person. So rules are there to provide stability, to keep us protected and safe. So rather, it is for us to follow rules, regulations with prudence. Rules are not the ends, but they are the means to help us to grow as people, as human beings. Rules are the means to help us to love God more and to love others more. In fact, Jesus presents love as the fundamental and decisive law. Do you remember the gospel passage when one of the teachers of the law asked Jesus you know, of all the commandments, you know, of all the laws, which is the most important? And Jesus said, you know, the most important is love your God with your heart, your mind, your strength. And the second Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And Jesus, through this passage, presents to us a radical way of understanding laws and norms. The teacher of the law asked Jesus for the most important commandment. And Jesus put the law of love as the absolute obligation. Love of God, love others, as ourselves. The love that Jesus speaks of goes beyond feelings, goes beyond loving in a very abstract way. Instead, it is a way of life, it's a way of behaving. We love God first, this is the first commandment. We love God first above all else. But it is not to love God in an abstract manner. How do we love God? We love God when we express our love for him by doing his will, by trusting in him, by spending time in solitude, in prayer with him. From the first, we go to the second commandment. We love others by concretely helping those who need our help, by putting their well-being before ours. The second commandment is to love people because they deserve to be loved. Because we see their suffering and we are drawn towards them in their need. In the same way, Jesus was drawn to the man with the withered hand. You know, when we die, the day when we die, and we meet God face to face, he will not be asking us for the number of times that we have fasted and abstained on certain days of the week, or we, if we have followed this or that law to the latter. Instead, we will be judged by the way we love, the way we serve the people that God has placed in our lives. We will be judged by how we love them for their own good. We recall you know, the parable in Matthew 25, when Jesus said in the parable, you know, the king welcomed those at his right into his presence because they did concrete actions like giving, welcoming, visiting, taking care of. He says, you "No, know, for I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. You see something very concrete. I was thirsty, you give me something to drink. I was a stranger you invited me in your home. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, you visited me. Concrete actions of love. What matters is not theoretical love, but compassion that helps the person in need. And this person, again, is not abstract. It can be a helper at home. It can be a child. It can be an elderly parent or a colleague. This is the will of God for each one of us. To love by standing with those who suffer, by placing them and their needs above everything else. This is the will of God. In the passage of Mark, you know, when, when the teacher of the law asked Jesus the commandment, you know, Jesus also said, you know, Love your neighbor. Has yourself. Has yourself. Has, has ourselves. We love others as how we want others to love us. How we want others to treat us. Of course, we want the best for ourselves. And thus, therefore, we also should want the best for others. This becomes the yardstick, the rule for our attitudes and our actions towards others. And so tonight, let us meet the friend, Jesus, who looks at what is best for the person and invites us to do the same. The human person, regardless of status, education level, age, race, is important. And I like what Houghton, the elephant, yeah, I'm not sure whether you know this Dr. Seuss book, no? Horton Hears the Who. No? Horton the elephant said this, no? a person is a person no matter how small. It, I read this book when I was young and it stuck to me in my head. No? A person is a person no matter how small. This is so true. No? A person is a person no matter how small. Because a person is created in the image and likeness of God. That person, no matter how small, insignificant in society, is loved and cared for by God. And for those who attended last Wednesday's SOW, Paula preached and she presented to us the lost sheep, remember? One lost sheep is important for the shepherd. In the heart of God, no one is insignificant. One person, no matter how small he or she is to the world, is important for God. So in this time of prayer, as we enter into this 20 minutes of silent prayer and reading the passages, let us re-experience this unconditional love of God for each one of us, who looks at us and regards us as as important. and who draws close to us in our needs, just like Jesus drew close to the man with the withered hand. And tonight, no, let us not just put Jesus up there no, and admire him from afar. No, no this is not the purpose. No. We are called to be attracted to Jesus' way, his way of life, and place ourselves also, you know, to follow his example, and place ourselves at the service of others so that we can work for their good, for their well-being. And so now we will flash the passages. We have 20 20 minutes of silent prayer. Read the passage slowly, allowing the word of God to talk to us in our concrete situation. We will come back after 20 minutes and then in the meantime, you can turn off your video and pray, but then we'll gather back again and we'll end together with our final prayer.